Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome back to the Testudo Talk podcast. We've got an exciting episode for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the NFL draft from a Maryland perspective, hit on the spring game a little bit, talk about some men's basketball news, transfers in and out. Uh, we'll see what happens with all of that. I'm Emmett Siegel. I'm here with my co-host, Andrew Chodis. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing well, Emmett. Uh, you know, an incredibly busy weekend for Maryland Athletics, as you said. As you said. We had the draft over the weekend, um, the spring game as well. Um, Maryland lacrosse teams, you know, participated in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinals. Baseball had a huge matchup. So just a really busy weekend for Maryland and a lot to, a lot to break down and discuss. Absolutely. And we should have an episode for you guys coming probably next week uh, with an update on some of the non-revenue sports as they push mm-hmm. towards the postseason we're going to hit on the football team for the most of this podcast. Uh, and we're going to start with the NFL draft. Um, and where else to start than the first round of the NFL draft? Uh, Deontay Banks, first Maryland player off the board. No surprise there. Taken number 24 overall by the New York Giants. Andrew, for a program that it's been a couple years since a first round pick came out of Maryland. What does it mean to have Deontay Banks taken as high as he was? Well, I think it says, I think it says a lot for the program. I, I you know, ever since jo- this is the first time, you know, Maryland has had five picks since joining the big 10. Um, I think that then that's a testament to what, you know, head coach Mike Loxley's done to this program, you know, having a first rounder in Deontay Banks, which was no surprise. He was widely expected to, uh, to be a first rounder, but someone obviously that was really productive in his time at Maryland, another, a homegrown kid, uh, a DMV product, which is something that, you know, it's very important uh, for the program. So you know, really excited to see what he's able to do at the next level. And I think it's a huge step for, for Maryland football as a whole. Absolutely. I mean, that momentum that you build in the DMV, it's hard to sell recruits if you're not putting, you know, the local guys in the NFL to have a guy like Deontay Banks go from a three-star recruit to a first round NFL draft pick really kind of speaks volumes. Yeah. And we'll get to a little in a little bit, we'll get into some, maybe some local guys that were highly rated that, that didn't hear their name called, but to have Deontay Banks drafted as high as he was, I think is just a testament to the job that, that Loxley has done uh, bringing in talent, bringing in some of these unheralded guys, especially local guys like him, uh, you know, we'll talk about him in a sec, uh, another defensive back, you know, he's not a local guy, but an unranked recruit and Jacorian Bennett, turning him into an NFL draft pick The job that Loxley has done. And the job that Henry Baker's done as a defensive backs coach has been pretty outstanding. Um, and I think it can only, you know, help from here on out when it comes to recruiting and such. And, you know, he always tweets out that, that gif of the, of the wall going up <laughs> around the DMV, whenever, you know, some of these local guys come by, I think this can only help. And you got a lot of, you know, competition in the area, uh, some teams trying to kind of make inroads there. And, you know, great to see Deontay Banks go as early as he did. And another defensive back that got drafted out of Maryland, Jacorian Bennett, uh, drafted in the fourth round. He was the next Terp off the board after Deontay Banks. What does it mean for him to go you know, where he did? What do you think he's going to do at the next level and kind of his story from, you know, Juco to Maryland and then now turning into NFL draft pick? Yeah, for sure. First off, you know, as you said, great story um, for Jacorian. Really happy for him um, to, to be able to be drafted early in the fourth round by the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, the Raiders traded up for him. Um, and again, it's not really that much of a surprise that Jacorian was drafted where he was. He was widely projected to be uh, somewhere in, the, in that third to fifth round. But such a productive player in college, you know, year after year, you know, the past two years, he was really he was one of the best DBs in, in America. Um, just you know, breaking up passes. He was at the at the top at the top of the of the league. There had a really uh, great showing towards the end of his career. You know, at last in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, came up with with some big play, some big plays. Had an interception in, in the Senior Bowl just a few months ago. So a really productive guy who made a ton of plays. Um, you know, I, I I do expect that he might he might have a slower transition to the NFL than a guy like Deontay Banks. 
but I think that you know his production should be able to translate uh, to a team in the Raiders that has had a really 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 tough defense. So I think that he he might have the chance you know to have some opportunities early on in his tenure. So I think that it should be really fun to see his development there in the NFL. Yeah, and like you said, Raiders kind of a a lot of spots open there at that defensive yeah. back position for Jacorian to make a team, and obviously Deontay's gonna have no trouble making a team as a first round pick, but maybe a, a bit more crowded room. So you know, if they're if they're taking a defensive back in the first round, that that means they think the world of Deontay Banks, yeah. and as they should, he's got all the traits to translate to the NFL. And, you know, there's no guarantees, but we'll see what he does. I, I think I have confidence in both of those guys, both Jacorian and, De- and Deontay to, uh, to produce at the next level. Then also another fourth round pick out of Maryland, another guy traded up for Chad Ryland. Rarely do you see, <laughs> rarely do you see a kicker go in the fourth round? Rarely do you see two kickers off the board by the fourth round, Jake Moody from Michigan. Um, he was also picked, I believe in the third round. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, those two guys went head to head back. It was the fourth game of the season, I believe, when Maryland was at Michigan. Chad Ryland played college football at Eastern Michigan before he came to Maryland, so it was a bit of a homecoming for him in that regard. And those two guys, I mean, they were duking it out. I mean, these guys were just drilling field goal after field goal. Chad Ryland made two fifty-plus yard field goals. This guy's a stud. I have no doubt that he's gonna he's gonna stick in the NFL as a as a longtime piece there at the kicker position, which you know, as we know you can have a pretty extensive career there uh, at that position. Yeah, you know, you discussed, you know, Michigan's Jake Moody went, you know, a few picks before Chad Ryland. But, you know, it's very similar to a guy like Ja'Cory Bennett. You know, all, all Chad's done in his collegiate career is produce. You know, he's he's been one of the best kickers in the country in his four years at Eastern Michigan. You know, is holds their uh, single-season points record uh, for Eastern Michigan. And then came to Maryland, and like you discussed, had unbelievable game in Ann Arbor, made a couple of 50-yarders. There was one point in the season where he had, I believe it was 24 made straight kicks between the 2021 and 22 seasons. So again, just a solid kicker, has a huge leg, um, goes to a Patriots team with an aging Nick Folk that had a rough season. So would not be surprising to see uh, Ryan get the starting nod there and, you know, best wishes to him. And he should be, if, if, if his production translates, should be a really, really productive kicker in the NFL. Yeah, we got three guys there that went – probably at or above their projected draft grade. But then we had some guys from Maryland that perhaps slid a bit. And I think you got to start there with Jalen Duncan. Took him all the way to the sixth round until he heard his name called. Uh, Tennessee Titans selected him. You know, Jalen Duncan was a guy that in the preseason and really in the early weeks of the season, I mean, out there in the the press box at some of these games, you had tens of scouts looking at Jalen Duncan as a potential first round pick. Um, to see him slide this far was pretty shocking. I know that we were a bit flabbergasted by it. We were we were kind of watching every pick, seeing all these offensive linemen come off the board and not hearing Jalen Duncan's name. You know, to see him slide w- was a bit surprising. But then you had kind of the pick-me-up right after that with Spencer Anderson getting picked in the seventh round. Kind of a surprise pick, a guy everyone loves in the program. Not that people don't love Jalen Duncan, but Spencer Anderson, great guy. If anyone hasn't read it yet, I would recommend reading uh, Emily Giambalvo's Profile of him in the Washington Post. It was great. Talks about his, his fandom of chess. Great look at him. But of those two guys, of the offensive linemen taken, those are the you know the last of the five guys drafted from Maryland, Spencer Anderson and Jalen Duncan. Do either of them, their draft situation, kind of stand out? Well, I mean, I think you know you mentioned the the Jalen Duncan kind of fall from grace. You know, last last season, obviously you you covered the team and and mentioned how there were scouts, you know, in the press box. You know, there was a point just a few months ago where he was projected to be a first, second round pick. And even a few weeks ago, it was projected to be a third round pick and just obviously a tremendous fall. 
into the sixth round. Maybe that provides, you know, some sort of spark of motivation for him as he, as he, you know, hops into training camp. But, you know, and then he talked about a guy like Spencer Anderson. You know, in my very short time covering the team, I've just heard so many uh, great things about the guy as, as, as a human being. And obviously it's, it's really awesome to see him get drafted with just a few picks um, left on the board to the pit, to the Pittsburgh Steelers who, who uh, their offensive line has struggled, um, you know, to, for, for running back Najee Harris in the past couple of years. So, you know, kind of expect him to get an opportunity out of training camp there and bolster that offensive line. But again, I, I, I just really happy for Anderson and, you know, I'm really interested to see how, how a guy like Jalen Duggan kind of takes that being drafted in the sixth round, how that translates, you know, to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, he's got all the tools, like his athleticism for his size. I mean, I think he's about six, six over 300 pounds, you know, big body, but he moves really well for his size. But for whatever reason it was, you know, we heard rumors that maybe his interviews didn't go well, whatever it may be, you know, he slides to the sixth round. Um, You know, he's going to get a chance, obviously, you know, you get drafted. There's, you know, you're going to, you're going to get a shot and the, and the Titans are going to have an opportunity for him. You know, their running back might be on the move. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll see. You know, I was surprised to see him slip. Uh, like you said, the most recent mock drafts had him in the middle rounds, not the late rounds. But, you know, he heard his name called, and and I guess that's kind of what matters at the end of the day. And, mm-hmm. it, and you know, if he can prove it in, in training camp, it won't matter. It'll just be a footnote on his career. Also, he's joining, uh, you know, Chig Conquo and, and Sam Aquanu there in, in Tennessee, a little Terps trio going on in Nashville. Pretty exciting there for all, for all the Maryland NFL fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, you know, you- and then, yeah, and you mentioned it's all about just getting a chance. And even if your name isn't isn't called, it's all about just, you know, getting a phone call at a point and having the chance to produce in the NFL. And there's a couple guys that I think you'll bring up who are going to have their chance. Absolutely. I think we the place you got to start, you got to start with Rakim Jarrett. I mean, Rakim Jarrett, in terms of undrafted free agents, you know, I think he kind of headlines this list of Maryland guys that, that didn't get drafted, that, you know, you were kind of shaking your head, like, what's going on? The thing with Rakim Jarrett is, you know, he came in as this five-star recruit. I believe he was, you know, top 20-ish nationally. Comes in with all this hype. It's a huge commitment for him. You know, people are calling him, and everyone does this with every great, you know, Maryland recruit, uh, wide receiver, but everyone's calling him like the next Stefan Diggs and talking about how he's kind of the poster child for this DMV to UMD movement. And he called himself that. You know, he said that he took a lot of pride in, in kind of spurring that movement a little bit. And he came in and you know, his freshman year, you know, he had the big game against Penn State, I think we all remember, where he was just burning these DBs for long touchdowns. They were just slants, and he was just outrunning everybody. And you're like, oh, my God, like, this guy is, this guy is legit, legit. And then, you know, his sophomore year is his most productive year, but a lot of that's probably because Dante Demas gets hurt, and we'll, we'll talk about Dante Demas in a second. And then last year, you know, I just, we just didn't really see him take it to that next level like you were hoping he would. And when he came into Maryland – from the second he got on campus, he made it pretty clear that it was a three-year plan, that he was coming to Maryland for three years to leave early, go to the NFL draft, and that was his plan the whole time. And you just got to wonder, maybe, you know, with the with the games he put on tape this year, with, with the drops he had, with the problems he had, you just wonder, maybe it would have been beneficial for him to stay for a fourth year, and, you know, you wonder if he's regretting it at this point in time. Well, I'm not, I'm not an NFL scout, but I think what you mentioned there about the drops, right, this past season, you know, this past season where, you know, you need to shine. NFL teams, he just fell a little bit short. Um, super unfortunate for here for him because we've seen the talent and the potential he has. But again, you know he he he's he is going to get his chance in a Tampa Bay Buccaneer squad with two veteran superstar wide receivers um, above him in the, in the depth chart and 
Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, a new quarterback coming in there, and Baker Mayfield. Um, so he's definitely put into an interesting situation. I don't know if it's the best situation for him um, with the Bucks, but again, it's 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 almost a matter of is he going to be able to show off in training camp some of that skill and talent that he showed off in his first two years in Maryland, or is he gonna you know continue you know a, a path this past season where he wasn't able to kind of continue to ride that momentum and ultimately fall out of the draft spot. So he's a really interesting case is one where it's really unpredictable. I think I mean, would you agree with that? I would say it's unpredictable. I will also say that I saw a report that he was getting about, I think it was 225 grand guaranteed. Yeah. I would assume that they're not giving 225 grand for a guy. They're not expecting to make the roster. Yeah. So it's probably one of those, like we're not drafting you, but you know, we're, we're, we're going to sign you anyway kind of situations but I mean every team passed on him seven times so there's obviously something going on there um but yeah it is a very interesting situation that I think we'll all be monitoring kind of seeing how he does and another guy that'll kind of be close to a lot of Maryland fans hearts Dante Demas DC kid came in kind of under recruited broke out in 2021 at least it seemed like he was going to break out in 2021 he was putting together I think he led the Big Ten in uh, receiving yards. He was on pace for over a thousand on the season going into that night game against Iowa. I think it was the fifth game of the season. And he just suffers a terrible injury to his leg, um, returning a kickoff. You know, it, it really just kind of derailed his college career, which is such a shame because he was looking like such a special talent. And luckily, you know, he was able to play all 12 games this past year. He wasn't at hundred percent, but he was able to do it anyway. And, and, you know, he's getting a shot with the Baltimore Ravens which I think is an interesting situation for him, you know, interesting receiver room. They're kind of bringing in some new guys looking to, to kind of reinvigorate that with re-signing Lamar Jackson. So, you know, we'll kind of see what, what happens with him in Baltimore. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's almost the complete opposite story of, of Rakeem Jarrett where maybe his, his signing isn't the most loved that maybe him or Maryland fans. And then you look at Dante Demas where a guy, he's going to get an opportunity to play in front of family and friends in his, in his hometown um, where, you know, he's going to have so much support and a guy where you, you look at the story, you know, obviously that, that game, I, I still haven't rewatched the video of that injury. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's not good. I, I don't, yeah. I do not recommend it. And, you know, I think I also, and, and this is just somewhat speculation. I can't say concrete reporting, but I did hear that he, he kind of re-aggravated, not re-aggravated, but suffered a different injury to his other leg during his rehab process. So it was just a nightmare situation for him, yeah. injury-wise. Yeah, but and you know, and you mentioned it. He's just when he's healthy and when he's at his best, he's so dominant. He's so dominant, and he's so athletic. Um, he has the size, the hands. He really has has everything that translates to the next level. And I think that he'll be super excited to play for a, for a Ravens team. I think the people around him are super excited. Very crowded wide receiver room for him. Um, a lot of you know Zay Flowers was drafted early. Was drafted really early, early in the draft. Hey, how have Rashad Bateman signed Odell Beckham? Um, you have a guy like James Prochet, uh, Devin Duvernay. So it's a really crowded room. Um, but I think that he'll definitely get his opportunity, and I think he's going to relish that opportunity. So I'm really excited to see what he's able to do in training camp for the Ravens. In, in very different tones. I don't know if very you saw tones. their tweets yeah. from Dante Demas and Rakim Jarrett. I mean, Dante Demas tweeting out, you know, didn't hear my name called, but so happy for everyone that did, you know, yeah. the journey continues, stuff like that. And then Rakim Jarrett's like, 
F that. Yeah. Like I'm gonna make you all pay. But yeah, that's so. that, that, that's what I was kind of trying to hint at without without you know mentioning the tweets directly. But yeah, it's a much much different tone than their and their and their journeys. <laughs> yeah, so both both motivated, but maybe perhaps in, in different ways. Uh, other two guys uh, that at the time of recording, we're recording this Monday evening. Uh, the other two guys that that have been signed as undrafted free agents, uh, Ami Finau. Not necessarily signed as an undrafted free agent, but but he got an invitation to rookie camp, which I honestly didn't really know the difference. I did some research. It looks like he just doesn't get a guaranteed contract, so you know he's going to have to kind of earn his way onto the team. Solid defensive lineman for a couple of years, never like a huge huge impact player, but but solid at stopping the run, and definitely can see him. You know, maybe if he if he stands out, uh, landing on a practice squad or something like that. And then Jacob Copeland, uh, we've talked about him a lot, but interesting case of the. Wide receiver from Florida comes in. I think he led Florida in a lot of statistical categories, albeit in a kind of weird year for them. Um, never really got that much shine at Maryland. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. He's headed to uh, he's headed to the Titans, right? So, you know, yeah. we'll be joining that that group of Terps that we were talking about there. So, you know, we'll be tracking both uh, Ami and Jacob's time in, in training camp or rookie camp or whatever it may be and kind of seeing if they stick there in the NFL. Yeah, and then obviously, if you check on our website, but there are still a few other um, terms not declared for the draft that haven't, you know, uh, been signed. So we have, if you guys want to uh, go on to pseudotimes.com, uh, Emma and I have set up a um, have set up a, a undrafted free agent tracker that will track all those movements. So again, there's about four or five guys there that will monitor their movements. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we got we got a couple guys yet to be signed. You know, we'll see if they do get signed. See see what happens, and obviously we'll keep you guys uh, updated here and on the website. Um, another thing that happened over the weekend, and you know, we don't have to harp too much on it because can't take too much away from it. But but Maryland's spring game happened on Saturday. Um, you know, the red team versus white team, big rivalry, as we know, goes back years. Uh, you know, the red team was mostly uh, made up of of it seemed like the number one offense. White team is mostly the number one defense, and kind of flip flop that, flip flop that for for the twos. Um, I don't even remember who won, but it doesn't really matter. It was twenty nineteen. Uh, I don't know who won though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So someone didn't didn't get a two point conversion at the end, but like I, I don't know. Loxley was like messing with the clock to make it more exciting and stuff. It, 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 it was interesting, but um, but yeah, I think my biggest takeaway, and I think you might concur with me, were those wide receivers, the transfer wide receivers playing on the red team with Talia Tagovailoa. Uh, Tyrese Chambers had two touchdowns. Caden uh, Prather didn't have too much on the stat sheet, but you know he was out there with Sean Jones and, and Corey Deitches out there with the ones, Roman Hemby, et cetera. Um, do you see anything from those two guys that you know maybe you think will translate to the season, or are you just kind of taking it as a scrimmage? Uh, it, it's, it's tough um, when, you, when you look at a scrimmage, especially a scrimmage against your own guys, but, you know, uh, Prather and Chambers, those are two guys that even Loxley mentioned have, have impressed him um, during training camp. And Chambers goes for a buck fifty, two touchdowns. Prather has a, he showed his his athleticism. He was tremendous. Uh, two guys that are coming came back to their home state. Obviously, you know, really excited. Uh, Tyrese Chambers is definitely a guy that has shown a lot of emotions. I've uh, never <laughs> seen anyone so excited to get interviewed before. It's 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 actually it's quite funny. But um, no, but but two really. Uh, High-level guys um, that really showed off in the spring game. Preston Howard, another guy that, that was really really impressive uh, in the first half, uh, tight end. Uh, so saw so a lot of him. That was really um, encouraging, especially in a tight end room with CJ Dupree gone. So they're going to need a second guy behind um, Corey Dicious. And then one other guy I would add is 
Cam Edge, freshman QB. I think he was getting he got third team reps. Really, really impressive uh, when he came in. Thoughts on that, Emmett? Yeah, Cam Edge. Uh, there's been a lot of positive talk about him from spring yeah. camp. You know, it's only like 15 practices or so, so it's hard to take too much away from it. But from a guy that I believe redshirted last year, yeah. he kind of looks like that young de- developmental quarterback that you know they're. I'm not sure I'm ready to say that he's you know, <laughs> going to take the keys from Talia Tungavailoa yeah. when 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 Talia leaves, but kind of looks like a solid building piece that that is definitely going to challenge for a starting spot. Not too long. Looked really poised for a freshman out there. He had some really nice throws um, all over the place. I think he had one of those touchdowns to Chambers. So, yeah, yeah definitely impressed from uh, by what I saw from Cam Edge. And like you said, Preston Howard looks like another young piece in the tight end room that you know could develop. And maybe we'll be seeing that uh, Cam Edge to Preston Howard connection kind of build over these next coming years. Yeah, and then I, I think another thing we can definitely discuss is some of the injury scares we we saw. And, you know, with two of the most – high-level prolific players on the team. Um, you know, Jaquan Shepard transferred from Cincinnati, one of the most talked-about players coming into the spring game um, on defense. Went down pretty early with it, with uh, with an injury, had the cart come out. Uh, fortunately, Loxley, you know, said post-game that he was able to come back to the field, didn't come in for precautionary reasons, but that was definitely a bit of a scare. And then also, um, Tarheep still went down with some sort of, it looked like an arm or a hand injury. Um, yeah, he and, tripped over, I think yeah. it was Caden Prather, and it, you yeah. couldn't really tell. It looked like he landed on his side or something yeah. like that. Uh, and, you know, obviously one, one, one of the veterans, you know, on defense for that for that Maryland team. The good thing is we have a few months until until, until uh, the opener against Towson. But still, definitely, you know, not not, not the best sight uh, to see, especially some of your most high-level guys that are sure starters. Um, but that was definitely a scare coming in. But thankfully – it's a, it looks good on Shepard's part, and there's plenty of time on, on the Tar Heap still front. Emmett, any other takeaways you got from this game? Not really. I mean, the offensive line, you know, we got a kind of a look at, at what it might be when, when, when the season starts in the fall, but there's so much time between now and then to kind of figure that all out that I'm not taking too much away from it. I mean, you saw two transfers. You saw, um, you saw Corey Bullock from NC Central out there with the ones. You saw – I'm going to – hope I pronounce his name, Gottlieb Ayedze, maybe. I know they call him Gotti. I'm just going to go with that. Um, you saw those two guys out there on the starting offensive line with DJ Glaze, Emilio Moran, and Eric Harris. Uh, none of those three guys super surprising. So I- I'm not taking too much away from the spring game personally. I kind of just looked at it as a glorified scrimmage. But Yeah. Um, and then from what we saw, it looks like Loxley is going to want to have a lot of a huge veteran presence on both sides of the line of scrimmage. A lot of a lot of upperclassmen. That was definitely something that we can take away. But again, so much time um, until the beginning of the season. So much can change. Yeah, and uh, I don't want to jump the gun because I, I, admittedly, it's so many things to keep up with. But the transfer portal, I believe, closed today. So I think Maryland's in the clear then with Talia and Jay Sean Jones coming. I think they will be back next year. I think we can confirm that now. Yes. Barring some. Yes. Yeah. I, I, okay. th- I think it's fair to, to debunk some, uh, some Talia rumors that, uh, that came up a few days ago. Yeah. Some, some, some things are swirling, but, but it doesn't look like they have legs. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of transfers, uh, got some men's basketball news. Uh, not the big fish yet. We'll get to that uh, right right at the end of the show. Uh, you know, we'll hit on that real quick. But but Maryland's got got a new guy coming to the roster. Uh, Jordan Geronimo, Indiana transfer, six uh, six seven foot wingspan, ultra athletic, former top one hundred recruit. Um, he never really got too much run at Indiana in his three years there. 
um, because of the COVID year, that means he has two years of eligibility, I believe. Um, but, but super talented guy. And it's hard to blame him for not seeing the court much and sitting <laughs> behind Trace Jackson Davis, like probably, I mean, Kevin Willard loves Trace Jackson Davis called him the, you know, the best player in college basketball by far. I think he went as far as to call Indiana, like a one man team last year. So, uh, you know, hard to blame him for that, but, but, uh, yeah, Jordan Geronimo, the way I look at it and, and feel free to disagree with me, but I kind of look at this as a, as a higher upside Patrick Chameleon. I look at it as a, as a more athletic guy, you know, he, he He's not going to shoot the ball. He's not going to shoot the lights out of the ball. Um, you know, you're probably not taking him as a way to, you know, fix someone something up in the starting lineup. I'm, yeah. I'm not really seeing that. But a guy that can come off the bench, yeah. super athletic, high upside, and can provide valuable minutes, especially on the defensive end, which is something that Kevin Willard really, really kind of harps on. Yeah, you said super, super athletic guy from from what I've been reading about, you know, from some Indiana sites, a ton of upside. Um Super athletic and you know a guy that we can probably assume that can rotate in the three and the three four position, um you know with with Dante Scott you know you mentioned the Patamelian that that little rotation among the small forward position so a guy that you know you can probably bank on getting somewhere in the ten whatever minute range uh, can be a valuable piece off the bench. Um, I think you'll go into this a little bit, Maryland with Geronimo's transfer they are currently one scholarship limit of one scholarship spot above the limit. So the Terps will need to uh, to send one guy in the portal and remove a scholarship. I think you have a little more information on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't uh, – nothing's been officially announced yet, I don't think. But, I mean, there's one guy on the end of Maryland's bench that I think most people kind of infer who I'm talking about has been rumored about transferring that that is kind of actively looking elsewhere right now. And, and you know, Kevin Willard's going to obviously make the scholarships work. He's not going to take someone and then, and then yeah. say, oh, never mind. We don't have the scholarships for you. So – Obviously, you know, he knows that someone's on the way out. Um, I think we should – I don't know if there's anything else we want to hit on with, with Jordan Geronimo. I, I don't know if there's there's too much to take away from it. I mean, you know, he's just kind of filling a spot. I think the the other thing you can take away, I think it's 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 kind of interesting. I think it's kind of important for Kevin Miller to get a guy from inside the Big Ten, you know, uh, an, an in-conference strength, uh, in-conference transfer, I definitely think is uh, is good for Willard early on in his tenure. But besides that, you know, I, I think we kind of hit, hit everything about Geronimo. Yeah, also Geronimo from uh, he's from New Jersey. He's from Newark. You know, he played up in New Hampshire, played high school ball up in New Hampshire. But uh, I'd assume that him and Kevin Willard have a prior relationship, so you know he's always tapping into those. But if you want to talk about in conference transfers, <laughs> yeah, you know, we got we got the in conference transfer. Uh, you know, Hunter Dickinson. We don't really know anything super concrete yet. Um, to me personally, from what I've been able to gather, it kind of seems like a Maryland and Kansas race with mm-hmm. with a couple other schools kind of hanging around. That's, that's what it seems like to me from, from what I've been told and, and from what I've seen. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on that, but. Uh... I think, I think just to put it out there, the bottom line is in, nobody knows Hunter's decision right now. Nobody knows his mind. So anything you see on the internet, whatever, if it says he's going here, that's just not a known thing. Um, obviously wherever he goes, he's going to transform uh, that program, you know, one of the most prolific players in America. And again, I completely agree with you from what I've been seeing. Seems like a Maryland, Kansas head head race with Villanova kind of. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was going to say maybe working, throw Villanova in there Villanova as well. Lurking. I mean, he was their last visit. Um, so kind of lurking on the outside there. But again, um, it does seem like he is going to announce his decision sometime this week, um, as early as tomorrow, w- w- was reported by 24-7 um, in Kansas. 
But again, it's it's not worth speculating. Um, a decision is coming, you know, very soon, and not, we're not going to discuss what it could mean for Maryland because this can be all moot if he decides to go somewhere else. But again, wherever he goes, it you know genuinely has the potential to change college basketball. Seeing one of the biggest players in the country enter the portal and go to a program, it's just it's we're literally seeing college basketball change before our eyes. Yeah, I mean Maryland's pitch throughout this whole process seems to be you know it's the hometown pitch. It, yeah. It's the same pitch we were talking about earlier in this podcast with guys like Deontay Banks. You know, it's a it's a pitch of like and Deontay Banks obviously not coming out of high school, not in the same stature as Hunter Dickinson in the transfer portal. But, you know, the idea that you can come home, play in front of your family every time. I mean, his family was, you know, it's like a 10 hour drive to Michigan, whatever it was we did, we did it for the football game. You know, it's a long drive. It's probably a flight to be able to drive to the games, to be able to play with your high school point guard, to be able to play for your high school coach, who's an assistant now at Maryland, Mike Jones, that's a serious pitch. And, and, you know, from what I've been able to gather, it seems like the NIL, which was a big concern, isn't, it's not the end all be all. Like they're going to figure it, they're going to fundraise it. Like they're, they might not be able to match Kansas and they might not be able to match Villanova. I've heard that Jay Wright's involved in, in Villanova's NIL situation, you know, as a, not as a booster, but you know, that just seems like a weird situation for him to like, hi, hey, I'm Jay Wright and I'm not going to be your coach, but like whatever it is, uh, I, I, Maryland will figure out the NIL situation if Hunter wants to come. Um, we'll see what happens. If, um, yeah, I think if if Hunter wants to come to Maryland, he's coming to Maryland, right? I, I think I think that 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 kind of needs to be. But they'll, they'll 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 move Earth to make it happen. Exactly. You know, Kevin Willard will make that. Like you said, there'll be another scholarship over the limit. Someone will get forced out, and it's unfortunate. But it's it's the way it works, unfortunately, in this business. You know, it is a business. All high, all hypothetical, all, all speculatory. But Maryland, it does seem is is in his his top three alongside uh, Villanova and Kansas, and that decision should be coming sometime this week. So something that we know all you guys will definitely be on on Twitter scrolling, finding information at, but something that we'll be on top of and, and feeding you guys information as as we learn about it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep you guys updated here. Once again, we'll keep you guys updated at toastudiotimes.com. I think that's everything for us today. Uh, not too long of a podcast. You know, we just wanted to recap the draft, recap some of the latest news. Uh, Andrew, I don't know if you have anything before we uh, before we sign off, but I think that's all for me. No, I, I think we, we covered everything. It was a nice hopping on the, the pod again for episode two, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll be back soon next week. Absolutely. And we got the video working this time. So if you're watching this on video, uh, oh, shout God. out to you. Oh, so, God. you know, if you're watching it on audio... <laughs> You know, the video is an option now. You can, we'll, we'll link it at, at uh, times.com. That's where you can catch all of our work. I'm Emmett Siegel. I'm here with Andrew Chodis, uh, you know, signing off for today, but we'll be back uh, as everything develops uh, with the latest news. And thank you for listening to the Testudo Talk podcast.